0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Southern Housing podcast, I'm your host Daryl. So June is Pride Month and to observe it we're bringing you an episode that focuses on the LGBTQ plus community. Homelessness is a big problem for many people and as an organisation that's main focus is ensuring people have homes, this is something that's close to our heart. So we got in touch with AKT, the LGBTQ plus homeless charity, and I caught up with Joe Bandau, Campaigns Policy and Research Lead, to find out more about what they do the impact of COVID on their work, and the importance of celebrating pride. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Daryl. Pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you for joining us. So, Joe, I thought we'd just kick off and find out a little bit more about the business. Can you tell us a bit more about AKT and the work that you do?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So, we are a national LGBT plus youth homelessness charity. Um, So, we support queer young people between the ages of 16 to 25. Um, So they might already be experiencing homelessness or they might face homelessness um, living living in what we would call, sorry, hostile and abusive environments. So we have support centres in London, Newcastle, Bristol and Manchester, Um, and we support a diverse range of young people. So, for instance, 63 percent of the young people we support are people of colour. And this actually rises to 77 percent in London. Nearly a third um, identifies trans as well. Um, and then we know the most common reason that's given for homelessness is being kicked out um, by um, parents when coming out. So 77% of the young people we support will actually become homeless after facing this rejection from their parents or caregivers. We were actually founded in 1989 um, by Cath Wall. So she was a straight ally who set up the charity in response to what was occurring at the time. So this was like the era of Section, section 28. Sorry. So it's quite a hostile time to be LGBTQ plus in particular in the UK. So she was responding to um, kind of like the growing numbers really of young people who are becoming homeless or were facing abuse and rejection from their families. Um, and what we do is we don't just provide housing support So we provide that wraparound support, which is often needed with homelessness. So we help young people into skills, education, training. We have our own emergency accommodation as well called Purple Door in London, which we're looking to expand. And then we have a host programme as well. And we also have a youth engagement programme. So we help young people with mentoring and then just sort of like community hangouts. So just having that sort of outlet for young people, which has been particularly important in lockdown. And then with my role, so I'm campaigns, policy and research lead. So I try and influence and advocate for policy change. And then I also lead in our research work as well.
0: So Joe, the COVID-19 pandemic has been quite a large topic, as I'm sure everybody listening is aware, over the last sort of 18 months. What has been the impact on the LGBTQ plus youth homelessness and how has that impacted your team's work?
1: Yes, it's had a huge, huge impact, um, obviously, on our lives and then on the young people we support. So um, it's been particularly impactful because most of the young people that AKT typically support are hidden homeless. So they're sofa surfing, they're not necessarily street homeless. So various iterations of lockdown at this point have mean have meant that um, sofa surfing has been impossible or it's been legal. So that means we've seen more young people being at risk of rough sleeping um, and also more young people um, referring to our services as well. so being trapped in in those quite hostile um, environments with their families. So for instance, we saw um, 118% increase in new referrals um, from April to August 2020, when we compared that to the same time period in 2019. We also did a bit of analysis as well, and we found that um, we saw a 71% increase overall in caseload between 2020 to 2021. Um, so this has all kind of been occurring within the backdrop of the policy response, um, being largely focused on supporting those who are rough sleeping, which is obviously really important, but it's meant that there's been like huge gaps in provision for young people, um, and then in just terms of us as an organisation, how we've coped with that, we've had to recruit new caseworkers. We also have student social workers who come and help as well, just because of the increase in demand to our services. We have a digital caseworker now who's able to pick up um, referrals from across the country and just like help young people with signposting or general advocacy that they might you know need help with. And then I guess in terms of the impact. On our team so the communications team and and perhaps my work it's just been about trying to ensure you know how do you keep that kind of live understanding of what's happening to young people um you know their experiences because you know you're not in the office anymore so before you can maybe go and like have a cup of tea with like a case worker and maybe catch up and just sort of see what's occurring what trends are they seeing but that's no longer you know an avenue that you have and then it's also caseworkers are having to deal with an influx of refer- referral sorry as well so it's just been a bit difficult in that sense just trying to ensure that we've got a really up-to-date understanding of what's occurring because that's really important you know to my role in terms of you know I need to know what's happening so I can try and influence as much as I can you know and where I can
0: and in an average month how many young LGBTq plus people would you say get in touch with you guys seeking so help and as a part two to that question are there any trends in the kind of help that they're needing when they contact you guys
1: Yes, when we looked at the last year, um, I think we saw um, in, for instance, um, in March, we saw 65 young people. And I think it averages out at around 52 young people per month. Um, But what we've seen is this has been like sort of steadily increasing the last couple of months, particularly since February. Um, And then in terms of general trends, it's more young people needing, you know, financial support, um, which I guess is unsurprising, given the fact that you know young people have been, you know, one of the hardest hit groups financially hit by the pandemic. Um, so helping, you know, young people with whether it's like top-ups or their phones, so they can access the internet, or whether it's uh, money that they may need to secure a deposit, which you know is really challenging, particularly if you live in like cities like London, it's just like really extortion, obviously, with um, you know deposits and rent, um, and then just more young people needing support with their mental health as well Um, and this has actually resulted in us sort of having a conversation around whether we need to look at increasing our mental health sort of service offer whether it's um, we provide that provision you know in-house whether you know we look elsewhere as well but that's definitely I, I would say been a key thing it's around financial support and then mental health as well.
0: And you guys recently launched your your homelessness report. Can you talk us through the work that went into that report and some of the standout findings?
1: Yeah, sure. So it was a bit of a labour of love amongst the whole comms team and then wider AKT and especially our services team, because we kind of really wanted to ensure that we were asking the right questions. So it involved a lot of consultation with our caseworkers. So essentially we had... um, quantitative survey which we partnered with YouGov on and then we also um, carried out 10 in-depth interviews as well with young people. Um, So it was targeted at any young person who's had experience of homelessness in the UK within the last five years who identified as LGBTQ plus and was aged 16 to 25. So it's a very specific sample. Um, We covered quite a whole range of things so we looked at factors leading into homelessness, um, the impact that homelessness had, what support was available for young people, you know, where did they turn to, um, or what support wasn't available to them, what young people would like from services as well going forward. Um, I'll kind of just run you through some of the key themes. Um, So in terms of looking at some of the factors that lead young people to becoming homeless. So we looked specifically also at abuse from family members because as I said, we know that this is kind of the primary driver of homelessness amongst queer young people. Um, and what we found was that most young people had experienced some form of abuse from their family members before coming homeless, but then also whilst they were homeless as well. So this wasn't just an issue, you know, prior to becoming homeless. Uh, most felt that they couldn't express their LGBTQ plus identity um, and feared that if they did, they would be evicted. And we found that in particular, um, trans young people and those who are aged 18 or under whilst homeless were disproportionately affected by many forms of abuse that the report um, explored. And I've got a statistic here. So, for instance, two thirds, so 66 percent of young people said that they were repeatedly belittled by their family members to the extent that they felt worthless before they became homeless. We also looked at support um, that was available to young people while they were homeless. So who did young people turn to? Um, and most young people didn't feel supported by their parents, siblings or extended, extended family members. And um, just statistics, so just 13% um, felt supported by their parents or step parents while facing homelessness. So there's an issue around you know, young people not having that um, support as well. Um, we also looked at um, what the impact was then of homelessness. And as you can expect, almost all young people said that it had a huge impact on their mental health. Other stuff around money worries, struggling to establish and maintain relationships as well, substance misuse as well. Um, and then we found that more than one quarter so that they started drinking as a way to cope with being homeless and over half said it had a negative impact also on their physical health. So it's not just about mental health, it was also about physical. And we sort of looked at, OK, so these are the th- these are the experiences, this is the impact. Um, what you know where did young people turn to in terms of support services did they understand what support was available for them did they access this and what we found was actually quite um, shocking really um, so less than half um, of young people who are homeless were aware of any housing support services available to them Um they were even less aware of other support services, which were really important. Um, So for instance, mental health, welfare benefit, sexual health, money advice. And again, here we saw that people of color, trans and disabled young people were less likely to know about and access support services. And that was kind of one of the key themes throughout the report. It was that trans, disabled and people of color were disproportionately impacted by a lot of the issues we covered. So it's really important when we look at, you know, um, the further marginalization that particular groups face. Um, And then we also had another statistic here, which is, I think, quite important when we're looking at housing. So just one third of young people sought support from their local authority whilst homeless. And it wasn't just issues around um, awareness of support. It's also about what experiences young people had um, when they did access support services So for those who did. Um, We found that discrimination, harassment, sorry, were quite common as well. So... Um, experiences of misgendering and deadnaming while accessing services were also reported. And then just statistic as well, over half um, of young people had faced some form of discrimination from their services while homeless. And only half um, of young people who had access to housing support service while homeless were satisfied with their experience. So these were quite significant issues as well. And then the report kind of ends Um, looking at what young people want from services, you know, how can we improve services? So the recommendations that young people made were to make more shorter copies of communication materials, individualised support, group support in the communities, having more diverse communication materials. Those are some examples of um, real kind of tangible things I think services can implement to make services, I guess, more inclusive and 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 increase visibility for LGBTQ plus young people. And then we also looked at um, well, we also levelled some policy recommendations as well. So we've got different um, policy recommendations depending on the stakeholder, but those that are, I think are perhaps more relevant to the housing sector is around training. So I think what was quite clear is that um, we do need to improve the amount of support that is available to LGBT young people, LGBT young people, sorry. Um, particularly when we're looking at housing support and understanding um, or trying to increase understanding of some of the issues that young people face. So it's around commissioning training and programs for housing staff to raise awareness of the needs and experiences of LGBT frustrating people are homeless or at risk of homelessness. So often um, what we find is that the familial abuse that young people experience often isn't sort of treated as seriously, seriously as other forms of domestic abuse. So, for instance, intimate partner abuse, it's about understanding what that family dynamic is like a bit more. um, And I think that would make a huge impact. Um, Also, it's important to kind of have that lens of looking at, you know, what are the additional impacts and um, that people of color, trans and disabled young people face in particular. And then I think the second key area that we're kind of um, focusing on um, going forward is around monitoring and data collection. Um, So it's about how can we improve and increase the monitoring of sexual orientation and gender identities while well in housing services. So our report found that I think it was only 35% of young people who'd access a service while homeless recall being asked by service providers to provide info about their gender identity and sexual orientation. And then in turn, just one third felt safe to disclose this information. So you've got two issues here. You've got an issue around the question not being asked sometimes, and then also young people not feeling safe to disclose um, this information. Um, So it's about how can we make services more inclusive, services more aware of the needs of young people as well. How can we create those open environments where young people feel safe to disclose, you know, things that have happened to them, but also feel safe to disclose information about their gender identity and sexual orientation.
0: And Joe, with regards to the young people, obviously, that you've mentioned, how successful are they in finding accommodation after receiving guidance or help from AKT?
1: Yeah, so I think... Finding young people safe and secure accommodation is really, really important. And it's just one of the things that we we do to help support young people. So often young people won't be coming to us with just in need of support for their um, uh, housing need, for instance. So they'll need sometimes it's about whether we can help support them contact their local authority or it might be that they need support, um, for instance, referrals to more specialist support services, whether it's sexual health, mental health. So a lot of our work is focused around that, so that whole wraparound sort of picture, I guess. But in terms of um, accommodation, so I can give you some statistics around emergency housing and then also young people that we've helped support in terms of private rented accommodation as well. So in terms of emergency housing, so for instance, things like hotels um, in London, we supported 34 um, young people. This is between March 2019 to March 2020. And that was actually 111 um, paid for nights spent in um, emergency accommodation. Then when we look at sort of nationally, this is inclusive of um, London as well. It's a total of 62 young people. And then 204 paid for nights spent in emergency accommodation. And then looking at the PRS. um, So in London, it was 31 young people that we placed in private rented accommodation. And then we housed also seven young people through Purple Door, which is based in London, and that's always fully housed. And then looking at that sort of nationally, it's 54 young people that we placed in private rented accommodation. I think the key thing to for us here is that we're sort of seeing a, an increase um, in the number of young people requiring access to emergency accommodation.
0: Thanks, Joe. And why do you think it's important to celebrate Pride Month
1: I think um, Pride Month is really important to celebrate and I think just firstly I think because I think there's a a, a kind of belief that um, I don't know almost like the fight sometimes is over you know we have various legislation for instance the Equality Act and you know various protections for LGBTQ young people um, that sometimes is a, an understanding or kind of a misconception that you know suddenly that you the struggle is over and I think it's really important to understand um historically you know the the fight that was there before whether it's on you know uh lgb rights and now what we're seeing now the fight continues for trans rights as well and i think that's really important that we kind of have that kind of remembrance of where we were and where we are now but also that we just have the avenue also for young people or the wider lgbtq plus community just have that you know space that outlet to just sort of celebrate themselves and just just to reaffirm that, you know, it is okay to be who you are, um, particularly in the context now where we're seeing the rise of, you know, transphobic discourse. I think it's really important, particularly for young people as well, to just have that space as well. So I think, yeah, pride is hugely important for us to kin- continue to celebrate and just to also um, spotlight also that, you know, where the struggle still continues.
0: A huge thank you again goes to Joe for joining me on the show today. The work that AKT do is important for the people they serve and for anyone listening who knows someone that the service they provide would help, feel free to get in touch with them. All the relevant information is in the description of this episode. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this one and we'll be back soon.